Hey, Tarts and Craft listeners, it's me, Melanie Dolling, your co-host and editor of this podcast. I'm the Steven of this operation, and I'm here to tell you that, yes, we're still having some audio issues because we're doing remote recording, and sometimes there's delays and people talk over each other and da-da-da. But I've done what I can with editing. You know what? I think it's still such a fun episode. I'm so excited about this. I feel like we finally hit our stride in terms of like still being bubbly and peppy and fun, but also navigating uh, uh, technical difficulties and all that. I really think uh, we had a, a fun one here. And um, and Jess Miller is our lovely guest, and she just said so many wonderful things to say. So uh, yeah, why don't you, hey, just listen and uh, and enjoy and forgive us all of the audio stuff that is just gonna kind of be our reality for the next little while. Okay? Okay. Maybe this is just a sound box for when we come and the world is destroyed and we just find this recording and they're like, oh, that's what it was like in 2020. Well, do you want to talk about how are how you are? How are you, Melanie? We could do an yes. Yeah. Oh, let's do a check in. Cool. Okay, I'm good. I did my first ever. Uh, well, not my first ever. I did my first comedy show in a while last night, and uh, it's funny because I wasn't one of the people who was like chomping at the bit to do stand up again. But yeah, once I we, did we it, we talked about that on the pod. Good. We talked about that on the pod that yeah. we're both a little bit not gung ho to just jump back into like let's. Uh, be funny to people in person when in reality I'm like I don't even feel comfortable talking to people in person right now but um yeah you did you did one of the shows that I've actually seen on Instagram being like okay that actually looks like a great show so did it go well it was on a roof I hear it's on a rooftop at uh at the producer's apartment building and it was all people he knows personally um yeah and it was good people brought their own uh he had some lawn chairs people brought lawn chairs and they just sat with people who they are comfortable with oh very Um, nice i like that a lot yeah it worked out um i yeah i liked it and then it was nice because uh it's called the sunset show it started around eight and by the time it was done the sun was setting and people were just like okay let's go and what i like about this covid era is that nobody's lingering for an obnoxious amount of time after the show what that is such a true thing that i forgot was a reality of that like weird time when you're like oh i guess i should like make small talk and hang out i always say i have another show to go to and i seldom have another show to go to um i just go away from human beings um that's the thing i love interacting for a certain amount of time but being on stage expels a lot of energy for me and like I love it's exhausting yeah I love like let's do 20 minutes of talking after and then I'm good to go like and I I liked there was really no option to linger we were on a rooftop it was windy the sun was setting so it was starting to get a little bit cold and it was just like yeah well this is outplayed uh like this is outstated's welcome at this point let's (laughs) call it what it is and um and you know, it's people. It was it was BYOB, so people. Um, you know, it's not like they can just keep ordering drinks. Like you bring right. your couple little drinks, you drink them, you, and it was lovely. I I'm a big fan. It was great. Oh, that's wonderful. Well, good for you for getting back in there. That's hard to do. That's very hard. To yeah, do. it I was a... surprising. No, keep going. Hmm? Oh, no, I just I, I've been doing a lot of like old material that I know really well, and I think that's what I'm going to lean on for the next bit. Like one liner about what's been happening lately, and then launch into something I'm super comfortable with and just have fun with it. Absolutely, I think now is not. I, we have to get our sea legs back, and it's going to feel so uncomfortable for so long getting getting back into it that I think it's just an anxiety thing. Like it, it would so good to just like. Just get back and comfortable with doing stand-up, and then you can get back comfortable with doing new material. Yes, exactly. So. Um, I think our guest is here. Rachel, yes, did you have <laughs> Rachel, did you have anything you want to quickly say before we jump into the episode? Any little uh, updates? Anything cute no, going on? I did, I did a virtual charity stand-up show. 
it was fun, but felt again, like stand up still feels a little weird to me. Um, I've been identifying lots of plants because that's my favorite pastime now. It's, it's really, I, I, I do love it in a way that's an adult woman should not love so much unless it is her profession. Um, but my God, I just walk around being like, this plant is a nylock and then like walk away. I love love identifying plants since you told me about that plant identifier app. I like went buck wild in high park, just learning of the plants. And it like, it really added something to my time there. It was fun. It's the best. Cause then I also do a little scenario in my head being like, okay, if I, if it was the apocalypse, everyone's dead. There's no food left. I could eat this plant that I now know is edible. And then I'll go over here being like, (laughs) I won't eat that one. That one's poisonous. And then I'll be like, I'd be great in the apocalypse (laughs) unless someone tries to kill me and then I would die immediately. (laughs) Well, life gave you a pandemic and you're making a lovely herbal uh, remedy out of it. And I'm learning (laughs) what roots I can chew on. But that being said, (laughs) we have a guest today. We have a guest. I'm going to read a little bit about our guest today. Our guest is Jess Miller. She is a tarot reader and intuitive, a self-care product creatrix, a plant witch, and a Reiki master. You can find her on soulfire.sessions at Instagram. And uh, hi, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's been a while since we chatted. Yeah, we met each other. When people could still be in the same room with one another, it was a wild time. Yeah. Um, it was the old days. It was October. It was yeah. truly. It Thank was you the so much times. for having. It was me. very much the before times. We're so happy to have you. I already have oh, yeah. just by your description. I already have like ten questions that popped into my head, but uh, I'm throw it over to Melanie to begin, and then I will ask all. The That's what I'm here for. Dumb. Uh, not dumb. You know what? Beginner questions. I'll ask you those beginner questions. Yes, because this is a podcast where we like to talk to the curious dabblers out there because um, I I heard a really good um, way to describe this on the All My Relations podcast, which I already shouted out, but I'll shout them out again. Uh, One of the people on the All My Relations podcast said, like, she... um, when she didn't know as much about her background as an indigenous woman, I think she says native American. um, uh, She said she she consented to public learning and the messiness that comes from that. And I think that's what we're doing here. We're consenting to public learning so that other witchy dabblers don't have to be as public and messy with the mistakes that they might make. We ask the dumb I, questions so they don't have to. I adore that. I won't be going on TikTok and doing a little witch dance and being like, that's me now. It's my identity. But that being said, um, <laughs> I actually know nothing of witch talk. Melanie just told me about it and it's all I can think about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I heard about witch talk. I still have to look into it, but apparently there's young people on TikTok talking about witchcraft and there's some people that are like this is great and there's other people who are like oh this is really bad <laughs> because <laughs> apparently they're they don't know much about it they're just excited and I'm like you know what I know that phase in the magical journey I've been there um I hope they're not spreading misinformation yeah, but I exactly. understand when you first get into something but our first question for our guests is always um, do you identify as a witch? Why or why not? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, I do identify as a witch. Um, and I have probably since, you know, since I was like, uh, you know, a baby witch at 13. And just for me, I think of that as being someone who is in tune with the rhythms of the universe, of nature, who sees their body as an extension of nature, their sexuality as sacred and feels a sense of like responsibility um, for the web of creation and knows how to gather their energy and direct it to things that they want to see um, shift from their inner world to the outer world. Mm -hmm. I I like that that. as a description. Yeah. How do you know uh, at an age so young that that's something that you're kind of drawn toward? Like with that, I, I don't know if you grew up in a 
environment where that was kind of um, more normalized. But I feel like it's it's hard to, to have the kind of vocabulary when you're 13 to be like, oh, this is what that feeling is rather than just I'm hormonally exploding. <laughs> so yes, how are you so grounded in your practice at a young age? I, well, so I wasn't super grounded in my practice at a young age. Um, and I think I probably found my path the way a lot of um, younger witches and magical folk find their, their path is I was raised um, in a super Catholic household. So mm -hmm. church every Sunday, um, we went from like kindergarten to grade 12. I went to Catholic schools. We did like Christmas mass, all of the things. The only time we didn't have to go to church was when we had chicken pox. And <laughs> so it was, it was like, it was a lot of Jesus. Um, and just mm -hmm. the part that didn't click for me was like, okay, so women are sacred and cool and amazing, but um, like masturbation is bad, sexual pleasure is bad, yeah, and queer people are bad. Mm -hmm. And um, and women are like smart and can be like helpers, but can't actually be leaders in the way that priests can. And at 13, I was already had a little bit of an inkling that I might be queer. And so I just couldn't square all of those things with who I was Absolutely. and it just didn't make sense to me that like I'd be created like in God's image but like that was just kind of like a fucked up garbage identity and I should try and change it um yeah so, so yeah that's, <laughs> that's a that's a strong origin story for sure uh we uh, are we are no we yeah <laughs> we we got that <laughs> yeah, um, yeah definitely. I also grew up Catholic, and I think yeah, I didn't want um, to say like Melanie also Catholic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I grew up that way, and it was funny because I always thought I was really into the religion, and then I realized as I got older, I was like, oh, I'm into community, I'm into iconography, I love yeah. the gorgeous statues, and I'm into ritual. I loved like we used to do this really beautiful. Um, during the Easter mass, there was one candle in the, on the altar in the center and the priest would like, we all were holding taper candles and we'd pass the flame to each other. So, and then eventually the whole church would be lighted up because we're all holding these taper candles. And I loved things of that nature, but then I'm like, oh, I don't need Catholicism to have ritual <laughs> in my life and community. Totally. And um, so so for me is like, I had the good fortune of, I guess, having a little bit of like, um, uh, I guess, like a fairy godmother librarian, where I was able to find um, books about witchcraft in our oh. school library. And I like slightly riddled with Catholic guilt, but not enough Catholic guilt to not do it, just like stole those books. So it was like the Puffin Book of Magic Verse from Llewellyn from like 1993 and I was like, oh my God, they get me. I'm just gonna memorize these rhyming couplets to bring rain and, you know, to draw a lover. And I still have some of those books. So I just started practicing and then, Aww. you know. Yeah, God bless you. Oh, that's so cool. And that's so funny because the cops have heard that we're talking about witchcraft and they are fully <laughs> uh, No. Uh, sorry, I heard this. I heard the siren. Um, but that's so funny because uh, we had a, a previous episode talking about uh, famous witches, and I talked about Lori Cabot. Yes, that was Bosch. such a great episode. Uh, I, I loved that episode. Oh my oh, god, yeah, you loved it. And then the whole the whole but, uh, drama yeah, between like Patricia and Pamela Keneally, and it was just like, oh, this is fantastic. Oh my god, we have yeah, gotten so, so much fun. Instagram <laughs> shit for that. Holy oh, mother of god, we, we have, we have Jim people. Morrison fans from beyond. <laughs> like the country just coming to message us being like actually that woman ruined jim morrison's life and us being like, you, you <laughs> like listen to the podcast reiterate. <laughs> yeah it's like let's just reiterate that this is not a the doors podcast no. I, literally but, all these people being like i've never heard your podcast but uh here's how i think about jim morrison's girlfriends and i'm like i don't know if this is the right uh, yeah. platform for that but nonetheless she, but uh, i remember from, she had a guardian librarian as well didn't she Lori did Lori Lori cabot did have a guardian librarian and very much uh i think there needs to be a whole other podcast just for like 
champion librarians who maybe like see a kid need some paganism or see a kid need some queer literature and just like okay I never I know everything's fucked but just just go over there I have absolutely yeah how did that conversation start with the librarian like what's the story there well I think like so I was already um really into mythology so like Greek mythology and and like history and learning about nature so I think that was just sort of like Mm -hmm. an entry point um, and she was also just like really chill. Like she was not super into censorship. So she didn't really care what we were reading. So it wasn't like, does you, do, you, do your parents know that you're reading about witchcraft? Like mm. also it was a Catholic school of like 300 students. So there wasn't a lot to draw from, <laughs> um, you know, and, right. and so yeah. <laughs> it went from the library to, um, I don't know how old either of you are, but um does the word like geocities or angel fire mean anything for you in terms of website design? Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, so it was, it was sort of like, um, think of like MySpace. If MySpace was garbage with like very blocky fonts and like bleeding roses and like intense scripts. So it was okay, like wait, a like, free, what, it's like a free website what is it's this like called? kind of like web page thing you could do. So there was like Angel Fire, Tripod, GeoCities. Um and there was of course a huge section of that on um What the fuck? So if you search like Wayback Machine and like GeoCities and Witchcraft, you will find uh like um it's a whole time capsule horror show experience. Um but that was where I learned. I was like, oh my god. There's, mm-hmm. there's other witches. Was, this is what they do. I need an athame. I didn't even know I need Solomon Seal to do this love spell, but I do. And then had the good fortune to live near, um, near a magic shop in the beaches called the Wicca Shop. Uh, it's now a home hardware. Um, <laughs> of course oh, it is, right? Oh, <laughs> home hardware. Oh, fuck you, home hardware. You I'm saying it on the air. But you know what? I bet you could find some stuff in oh, home hardware sure. that you could fashion a spell together with. Oh, They've you got could, a lot of little... but don't don't <laughs> go into home hardware. They're getting a lot of flack for oh, being very no. all lives matter y. Uh, I saw that there was that, that too was that, crazy. That was the one in my neighborhood, and I have since seen he took it down and put Black Lives Matter up because he truly didn't understand. Um, he's old and he truly didn't understand what all lives matter like meant oh. and the connotation. Yes, Home Depot gives money to Home Trump. Depot, one of the like bigger yeah. ones. No, that it was owned... Home Hardware. No, 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 no. Home Hard. That story is yeah. true. Oh, but also Home Depot, um, <gasps> or one of those other larger know. organizations. Oh, yes, that is. Okay. Thank you. Okay, we went through a lot of like little bits and pieces. <laughs> like, I think I read this on Instagram. So. Thank you all for actually fact-checking my shit. But um, you know what's great? Canadian Tire. Guys, shout out to Canadian Tire. So if you're going to buy out an independently owned witch shop with their (laughs) venue, better be Canadian Tire and not Home Hardware or Home Depot, which is the moral of this story. Is it? <laughs> I want Canadian Tire money to replace money. No, anyways, this is all bad. <laughs> this is yeah, all bad. Idea. It was called <laughs> the Wicca <laughs> Shop, and it was so owned was by this story, fantastic yes. couple. And so that's where I got like my first copy of like Gerald Gardner books. That's where I like you know got witchcraft for D- tomorrow by like Doreen Valiente. That's when I was like looking down my nose at like 13, 14 years oh, being like cool. Silver Raven Wolf. That's garbage. Who's wearing a choker? Um, <laughs> and you know, getting like three grams of periwinkle or something. Oh my god, I love That's it! So funny. Silver Ravenwolf. Oh, I still awesome. have my my sister's copy of Teen Witch by Silver Ravenwolf that I stole from her because she went through a Wicca phase, and then she was like, "I don't like it anymore," and I was like, "I'm just going to take yeah. this real quick before you get rid of it." <laughs> but. She is a controversial figure in the um, in the world of witchcraft because she's a little more mainstream um, mm. and yeah, a little more in the Llewellyn <laughs> like off the right. rack. I guess if she were a drag queen, she'd be wearing off the rack as opposed to couture. Oh, la da, la da. 
but um amazing so you started getting your books when did you start i guess um i i i struggle to call it this but like when did you start kind of like professionally practicing as it's only really uh, been since about 2017 that i started doing that and a huge part i think you know lots of us will have that as as witches or as creative folks is this sense of like imposter syndrome like sure Mm -hmm. i've been studying this for seven years but like it's just me i just know some things but i don't know as much as people who do this for a living and at a certain point the people in your life who love you who like respect your wisdom and your perspective are like you know what? I got to be a mama bird. I got to push your ass out of the nest. You're not going to fall. If you do fall, it's not going to be that bad. And it wasn't that bad. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that. Oh, I've been telling that to Melanie for so long. And and (laughs) clearly, I mean, you're feeling it. (laughs) That's, um, that's the exact messaging. That's the exact story I have around, um, I've been like, I call it just dinking around with tarot for so long, because for some reason, if I enjoy something, I don't take it seriously. Well, like, no, right. And that's like I'm, such uh, an old religious <laughs> idea, right? Is that, like, um, like Real work has to be hard. drudgery, that we're not allowed <laughs> so, to experience joy I'm... or connection. And that um, for it to be like yes. meaningful to other people who like give us this mm-hmm. value externally, um, it can't come easily to us it can't be based on our innate skills. And I kind of, you know, I think that's a load of crap and it holds a lot of people back from doing things they enjoy that the world really, you know, would benefit from them doing. Yeah, I think so too. And like, um, I also think you just at a certain point have to start like, like maybe you'll have a shaky couple tarot readings at first, but then you did it and now you can do it. And it's like, without that jumping off point, it's the same as like, people ask us all the time, how do I get into comedy? And I'm like, you kind of just have to do it and suck at it for a little yeah, bit. Like, so much of it is just really. Just so that's fun. really reassuring <laughs> because I've, I've wanted to get into stand up, and I've had so many people tell me they're like, you're funny, you should yeah. do it. And I've just, you know, from so many female comics, you know, there's that thing of like, you know, if you tell a joke, and you're not funny and you're you're a guy people like oh that's not funny whereas like you know if you're a female comic you're like i hope you get raped like fuck you what's wrong with your face and you're just like uh whoa like it just it it holds me back right um yeah oh yeah totally that totally. is a fair uh that is a fair assessment and also like even if people oh, yeah. don't hurl abuse at you, luckily there's more female and um, just a wide spectrum of gender identities on Toronto stages uh, these days. But right. Um, right. I Absolutely. do find that as the female on the lineup, sometimes it's like, if I suck, then female comedy sucks in exactly. your eyes versus like a guy who it's just like, oh, I didn't particularly like his comedy. But I did a show last night that um, yeah. was... Run, it was a male producer, but three out of five comics were women. And uh, mm-hmm. I think it's really, it's really changing. Totally. Um, um, the, you'll find that the, too. yeah, you'll find that the most problematic voices are often the loudest, especially online. But like, once the world starts to open up again, there are so many female led queer defined uh, stages for you to like muck around in that are just so incredibly supportive. Um, and also, and honestly, oh, yes, we like, do. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the queer shows in the city are the best, the best produced shows because queer people know how to throw a party. They know how to be hospitable. (laughs) No shit. Oh my God. Yes. So in the times when I'm welcomed into those spaces, I'm always very grateful for the stage time and, and, uh, there, (laughs) there's wonderful stuff happening in Toronto. So Actually, use your that, magic visualization to become that can be your next your next magic project to do stand up. I love it. <laughs> I love it. But also, you know what, that ties into a good uh, question that I actually have, which is that, I guess once you um, before you started doing this professionally, you said, did you did you have kind of like, was was witchcraft and, and these kind right. of spiritual practices? Was it something you just kind of did on your own and that was part of your so, personal kind yeah. of self-care or did you have? Mostly I have practiced solitary and it's, well, solitary. And really it's it's only been in the last 
year or two that I've had a, a working partner where we get together and we do ritual together. Um, and it's, it's funny because I, you know, I can't tell you how many hours I spent on, um, it's finally gone basically, but, um, there was this website called Witchbox, and you could put up a listing being like, Hey, this is my name. I'm in this city. I'm interested in like comedic magic and Alistair Crowley who wants to meet up and people could connect in that way. Um, oh. And so I think for a lot of people that was, that was a good way to be in touch, but there, there is also um, sort of like with, with the, the history and the way um, witchcraft and the law intersect. Like if you were, my age and you're like oh I'm 14 but I really want to go it's like well you can't go because it's a pub moot and you have to be 19 and most covens if they're halfway decent will not initiate you will not have you study with them if you're 16 or under in case you have a parent who has a major freak out so a lot of what I learned was from you know being going to the ravine near my house talking to the trees reading books like you know um Mm -hmm. And there were parts of that that were lonely, but I also think there were parts of that were that were really beautiful because I got to build my own uh, sense of like what does ritual look like for me. Um, and it did end up being very like it, a really important part of my um, self care of being able to create ritual when there were things in my life that were happening that were like really earth shaking. Yeah, that's super powerful. And I think like exploring it on your own first, you would be like I know for me whenever I meet someone else who's into this stuff, I always perceive it as like, this person knows more than me. I don't know anything. So being able to have your own private practice and not compare yourself to anyone else, I think at first would be really beneficial. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And now you work a lot with, so you have, so you have your hands in a lot of magical pies, Um, But today we wanted to ask you a little bit about your plant work and your ancestry work that you do. So first, we've already been talking a bit about plants. First of all, do you know about the Plant Identifier app and do you use it? It's my favorite thing. So I've heard of it. I have yet to use it. Um, And picture this and it's free. Saw an ad for it on Instagram this morning. Um, and probably oh at some God. point I will, I will download it because I've had those moments where I was like, oh, I was like, is that wild carrot? It's like, could be, could be Queen's Anne's, Queen Anne's Lace. One of these you could use to, to help yep. facilitate abortion. One of these you can eat. And it's that, you know, uh, when it comes to something could be poison or not, you don't really want to gamble with it. <laughs> you want to be sure. Yeah, um, yeah not I really care. something to play with. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I like this idea of it being sort of more integrated into people's lives where you can just be out for a walk and like, what is this beautiful plant? And you can find out. You can just snap a picture and it's like, oh, that looks like rhododendron. And you're like, oh, oh, cool. This is actually my favorite plant. Um, Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love nature walks. I love identifying. Good to put names to things that are plants. Yay. And then, Sorry, I love that. How do, <laughs> what role does your love of plants play in your practice? How does it all how does yes. it all come together? What does that kind of practice look like? Um, so for me, part of my practice is having plants in my space so that I can build a relationship with them. Because um, when I tend to put things together for, um, for ritual, or whether it's my own personal ritual or um, ritual stuff to support folks, in terms of products that I make, I'm looking at both, okay, what are the, um, like the physical properties? Like how does this act on our physical body, but also what are the metaphysical or energetic aspects of this plant, right? So Hawthorne is one that I use. Um, part of my ancestry is Irish and Scottish and French. And Hawthorne is a really sacred plant in, um, in Irish herbalism. And it's used a lot as um, a, a cardiovascular tonic to help treat things like um, irregular, irregular heartbeat. Um, but on an energetic or metaphysical level, it helps us to create our body as um, 
to help us reconnect with it as a sacred space. And it's also incredibly sacred to, um, to the fair, what some people might call fairies. So, you know, you look in, in Irish history, even to this Ooh. day, where like, um, if there's a, a hawthorn tree, if there's a fairy tree on your, on your land, you better take care of it. Because there are stories of people cutting down hawthorn trees um, and dying or having major farm accidents because there's not necessarily that recognition of like, so plants as much as animals are sentient beings that have their own intelligence and there may be spirits that live in them or there may be ways that our physical eyes can't see where they support the ecosystem that we are a part of. yeah, yeah that. so that makes sense. Yeah, that makes so much. I actually have a creepy story uh, related to that that I just remembered where oh my God, tell we, me right we had this big flower bush in my front yard growing up that was like covered in these big bushy pink blooms. And one day I, um, I cut one to bring to my teacher and my dad got really angry at me that I had cut a tree from, that I had cut a flower from the bush And he was really like just unreasonably mad about it and a jerk about it. And then overnight there was a storm and in the morning the bush was flattened to the ground. So it was like, if you are not willing to share this plant and like you're going to get mad at your daughter for bringing, doing the purest, most cutest thing in the world, you can't have these flowers. Oh my God, that's so funny. I love that. That's dark (laughs) as hell, but I love it. Yeah, I love it. It's very, um, it's, I learned from that, that nature, you know, is communicating with us on a very literal level sometimes. I love the idea that the plant was somehow listening during this argument and is just like, oh, fuck you guy. All right, I'm out. All right, TTYL, I'm going to go somewhere else. (laughs) Later days. Yeah. I think I'm tying it back to the fairy energy. That was something I've actually been meaning to ask you about. You yes, I'm so curious. You mentioned fairies when um, when we met in mm. October and you were like, oh, people talk about inviting fairies into their lives, but you should be really careful with it. Um, and I meant to ask you to elaborate at the time, but I think we were like ba-ba-ba all around different topics and I didn't get a chance. Can you also give us like a very brief little like those of us who don't know, like, what are right. fairies? Are they specific kinds of spirits? Are they spirits at all? What, what, what's? Oh, what's I mean, deal? so their deal is really complicated. I actually like because I'm not, um, like, they have. I think you either like um, love them or hate them, depending on sort of like their role in your life. And I tend not to work with them a lot because um, if you look at the work of some really amazing scholars. Um, in our community. So Laura O'Brien from Ireland um, or Morgan Daimler, who's based in the States, they talk mm-hmm. about working um, with um, with the Fae. Sometimes you'll hear them referred to as the she, the good neighbors, the good folk, and the way in which um, they can be um, really, I guess, like from a human understanding, cold, calculating, vicious. Like they're, if you w- take something that they think mm-hmm. um, belongs to them, or if you don't make them offerings, you know, I've heard stories of things like, oh, you know what, you really need to clean up your altar, you really, you haven't done that, it's in their space, you owe them, you know, like, like a, a cup and saucer of cream, you haven't done it, you haven't done it, oh, look, here's a car branch through your window, like, here's a window through your, the branch of your car, right, so, like, there are these things where I think people, like, oh, they're cute, it's like Tinkerbell, it's like, well, they have a different set of ethics than we do, and because I'm not looking to invite more chaos into my life, um, I, I, you know, generally I'm, I'm like, you know, Fair. for Samhain, for Beltane, I will leave out some sugar, some cream for them, or some butter, a little bit of whiskey, like, hey, thanks, like, it's all good between us, like, you do your thing, I'll do mine. But I actually tend not to work with them just in because of the stories that I've heard about them, and also just because um, there are are other there are deities that I work with where it's just like yeah my intersection of like the other world and working with the fae is not a huge thing but um I I think that yeah really the whole like disneyfication thing 
um, has come on really strongly with fairies and there's this idea like they have your best interest at heart they just want to help you manifest your vision board um and some of them don't you know if you look up the idea of like changelings well like what was that well that was yeah. beings that would come and like swap out your child for their child right so like that's that's not that's not warm and fuzzy mm-hmm. oh um <laughs> okay yeah. I'm Googling yeah. that literally um, right now because that sounds terrifying. Can if you not- look up, there's there's a really interesting episode of Lore, the podcast Lore, called, uh, I think it's called Black Stockings. And he talks about the um, mythology around the Fae, but also the amount of like, because this was a mythology that was known that people talked about in Ireland, um, their people would be abusive and be like, oh, I thought she was possessed by a changeling. And like, it was really its own version of witch trials in a way. So there's definitely some very dark energy around the Fae and the Pixies. (laughs) Yeah, I'm already in Dungeons and Dragons territory. So that's that's an activity for (laughs) me. Oh, that's the problem with sometimes Googling witchcraft (laughs) is you end up in a Dungeons and Dragons area and you're like, oh... (laughs) Which, an area that I am arguably <laughs> more well-versed so, in than yeah, fair. Yeah, I but, think, um, you know, it's it's also, yeah, so um, fairy, it's yeah, not fairy. uncommon in, like, Wicca or Witchcraft 101 books to sort of see the same attitude taken towards the gods. That, like, they only want to help you. They just exist as, like, pure love and goodness mm-hmm. and not the sense that, like, they're actually, they actually can be you know, much older, much more powerful primal forces than us. And they might have an agenda and like giving us hugs and giving us everything we want might not actually be part of their agenda because they're looking at like keeping the cosmos intact or what will advance what it is that they want. Um, and, and, and like that for me, I think that gives me like humility yeah. when approaching them and working with them. But also I think it's important to not, to like, to not necessarily cultivate an attitude of fear, but of being like, you know, um, you're you're not a magic genie. You don't exist just to fulfill what it is that I want. If that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think definitely. that's so important, and that's actually a theme that I've been wanting to explore on the show. <laughs> and I think it's the issue people take with witch TikTok. Um, I haven't looked into it yet, but there's definitely, there's people who want to explore the cute side of witchcraft only. And they just want to have their like rose quartz and their tablecloths and be like, look at this. It's cute. It's fun. And it's like, it is cute and fun sometimes, but you're still dealing with entities and energy. And it's, I just think there's something where we need to be just as mindful of our shadow side and work with things that we're uh, with ideas. Absolutely. And I think, you know, um, one thing that I've heard a lot of folks speak about when it comes to um, working with the Fae is their sense of contracts or agreements or, oh, then you, you know, just, you don't necessarily have that ability to be like, oh, my bad, I tried for a bit, but it turns out it's really hard. I can't actually live up to my end of the deal. It's like, you know, if you, if you make a blood oath, if you promise certain energies, something, there's not a like, oh, you tried, I know you did your best, whatever, it's all good. It's like, uh, oh, because I thought, I, you know, I was taking you seriously when you said this and uh, <laughs> yeah. we need to talk. You know, it just it just takes one hastily sworn blood oath for you to really <laughs> we can reconsider how you use your words. <laughs> I, yeah, love I love that you as a soundbite. <laughs> I was gonna say it just takes one hastily taken blood oath, like as if someone's like, "Shit, I have to go to work. I need a blood oath right now." I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give this any further thought because it does not require that. Like, of course, these are. Like, it's also yeah, and it's also what we also talked about of like. Absolutely. And I, I think we can be drawn to the beauty. And I, for me, I think of that as being part of like, mm-hmm. you know, how this world was created is for there to be beauty and for there to be pleasure in it. And what I, what's important for me and like my relationship with the gods that I work with, as well as in working with the plants is, is to really um, 
shift away from the the rela relationship style of things being very transactional, which is how we do things a lot in North American culture. Like I was born and raised in Toronto and there's that whole thing of like, well, like what can you do for me? Like, I'll do this for you if you do this for me. It's like, I did the dishes this time, next time you do the dishes. Um, and looking at like, can things be reciprocal? Can we be giving back and forth between ourselves and yeah. recognize like, you know what? I've been taking a lot of energy in this relationship. You've been listening to me as I've been having these problems. Let me offer to you, because I'm conscious of the space I've been taking up and I want things to feel, you know, good for both of us. So with plants, that can look like not harvesting things that are endangered. Um, United Plant Savers has a fantastic Instagram and a great website for looking, hey, these things are in danger. These things have been over harvested. These are parts of the plant, like please don't use them. And we look at, um, you can also from there look at things like the idea of like foraging or wild crafting, like, um, like it's just this, this sort of like bare land that belongs to no one that we can come and take resources from without considering um, that land as an ecosystem. And also frankly, um, you know, it's like, my family on on both sides, um, as far as I know, came here of their own free will. So can we talk about what it means to take from the land uh, that is unseated, that is stolen, um, when Indigenous peoples have difficulty accessing their medicines? Um, can we talk about what it means mm. to, to take something like it's up for grabs um, without checking in from the, with the people yeah. who actually have been the traditional caretakers and are the contemporary caretakers of this land. So it's, it's all complicated and I've really appreciated how the two of you have talked about that in previous episodes. Oh, good, I'm glad. I always Yay. feel like we're like clumsy, clumsily navigating subject matter, but we definitely, that's something we want. Um, yeah, because like, I, I think uh, everything that you're saying makes so much sense and it's even like, bringing a plant into your house or bringing a living thing into your house, we often do it hastily and we go, oh, this is pretty, this yeah. is cute. But then we don't think about the contract we're entering into with that living thing to take care of it properly. And I think that can translate to witchcraft where you're just like, oh my God, crystals. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, I think there's so much that and there's so much I'm learning from the all my relations podcast as well like you said that people um don't have access to um like indigenous people don't have access to the food that makes the most sense for their systems and they're suffering as a result of this and there's just so much that's so important to acknowledge and wade through when it comes to this subject matter of like what do I engage with what do I harvest who has access to this how do I help make it so that everyone has access to this and I'm not just being greedy or yeah, there's a lot to consider. It's, it's, it's a very complex issue. And, um, and I also feel like it's important for us to acknowledge that like, um, we're, we're in this relationship with the earth all the time and we can ask it to hold things for us and we can do things like clean up a beach or try and be a bit more zero waste to, to, sort of honor that relationship like hey how can I you literally provide everything I need to sustain my existence so I can continue to take breaths and like walk my soul path how can I say thank you these are some ways I can say thank you right so yes yeah, that makes so much sense I think gratitude rituals like I know for myself over the winter I started asking for a lot from the universe and then one day I was like you know what I'm just gonna do a ritual honoring all the people who've been really lovely to me and just the, this energy is for them. I'm tired of asking for stuff. And you know what? I will say that all my manifesting went a lot better. So, you know, it's, it's give and take and it's, uh, yeah, it's just honoring. Like you said, if someone's in your life who's been listening to your problems a bunch, you can maybe then be like, why don't I take you out for dinner? I've been pouring a lot onto you lately. Right. Yeah, it's like any relationship. Yeah. It's like it's a it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. Of like and, yeah. And yeah, like mm -hmm. I've been trying to be more yeah, I'll try and be like I love going for my walks in High Park, but I don't like just uh crash on through a big <laughs> bunch of plants like rah, rah, rah. like I try and <laughs> yes, be very now. mindful of the space that I'm in and stick to the path and honor 
all the little living beings that are there. Oh my god, whoops. Uh, yes, I love that. I love that very much. And I think uh, I think it's important to keep reminding ourselves that we have to that we have to give back in that way and find those ways to kind of communicate with the environment around us. I do actually have a question, Jessica. Yeah. Um, when you say, because I know what we said earlier that you you that you are an an intuitive. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, I just I tend to use that word instead of psychic because I think for that like psychic conjures up Sylvia Brown or it conjures up uh, Miss Cleo, and that's mm. not really what I do. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, right. you, so what what would you what would you say you what, what is what is the difference there there like what what would what would you say you do that's not kind of the like going into the crystal ball kind of situation? Um. So so for me, what I tend to do uh, with clients is I will you know sort of get into a meditative state and connect with both like my ancestral guides and the um, the like plant and animal spirits who I work with. And then, you know, also connect with my client, like their their ancestors who are well and spiritual. Like, hey, is there anything that you want this person to know? Is there anything that would be like helpful for them right now in terms of of their healing, their empowerment? Um, and so, you know, from that point, things will open up in any number of our intuitive senses. Um, so, you know, the first time that happened to me where it was like actually a little bit overwhelming as I was doing um a reading for someone and we were in a a coffee house and they were speaking I kind of had to like ask them to please stop speaking because I was you know sort of mentally hearing what my ancestors were saying and what their ancestors were saying and I you know my eyes are open and then I'm seeing this this sort of overlay of of animals and images that I'm being shown and it was just like, okay, I'm tasting colors. This is a lot. Can we dial it back? I want to get this right. Can we go one thing at a time? Um, and I think a lot of the time, you know, people think of um, intuition as just, just one sense. Um, but I hear, I, I'll hear things. I see things. I may feel things, you know, sort of in, in a bodily, as bodily sensation and it's all information. No crystal ball required. I do love a good crystal ball, but. <laughs> no, that's so cool that you were able to like tap into that energy. And I think um, calling yourself an intuitive also frees up the expectation that it's going to be that intense and trippy every yeah. time. You know, because I think a lot of people, I don't know about your experience as a tarot reader, but since I've started, I've had some lovely conversations with people who get it. And I've had other people who at the end are like, wait, so what should I do? And I'm like, oh, I thought I just gave you a bunch of advice, but they really want like concrete, yeah. like you saw a ghost of my father who told me X thing. <laughs> and then like, oh, I don't know. It's a little more soupy than that sometimes. Like, uh, and so I think using, yeah, I think intuitive rather than psychic uh, makes a lot of sense. And and yeah, I mean, I definitely have had those experiences um, with tarot or with, with doing like what I call like intuitive wisdom readings for folks where people want me to tell them what to do with their life. And there's like a couple mm -hmm. magical principle, principles that are really important to me. And one of them is like, uh, like always like, let's be super clear that, um, what I do, like, I don't tell your future because you are an active participant in co-creating that. And I can't predict what you will do. Right. Do I believe that there are some things in our life that are preordained? Yes. Um, and and so I even see that through the lens of the tarot, right? Is like, I, I think for us to be like a well-rounded, healthy individual, we're going to go through all the cards in the major arcana. And you, can, you don't really get to step skips, right? Mm -hmm. You don't really get to right. skip steps. You don't get to be self-actualized but like skip death or skip love or skip strength right that's not how that works <laughs> right um you can you can rearrange things if you're like i'm actually not ready for the death lesson in like divine love and wisdom you're just like i'll circle back to you around that don't worry um but it's it's that thing of like i can't tell you what to do i'm not here to solve your problems you have to learn how to connect with and how to trust your own wisdom right i'm seeing a snapshot of your mm -hmm. life 
but you are the person who has the power in your life to make some changes. And it's the same thing, you know, with, um, with divination stuff as it is for me with magic is like, you are the spell. It's not like oh, I had everything ready for a prosperity spell, but I have a blue candle and I just have some cinnamon instead of some basil. Now I'm screwed. What am I going to do? I don't have the right robe for this. It's like, you are the mm -hmm. spell, your intent, your clarity, your determination. Is it that it's great to have all the other supplies, all the other correspondences mm -hmm. working, but you have so much personal power. And when we give our power away to other people or to objects, I think we do ourselves a disservice. I think so too. I remember um, I knew someone who was going through some mental health issues and she got really into crystals, but then she got so prescriptive about it where she was like, well, this crystal can't sit next to this crystal and this crystal is this shape. So it means this. And she just, it was almost facilitating yeah. these mental health issues she was having rather than helping because it was making her tap into this very compulsive it has everything has to be exactly yeah. right kind of thing yeah. and i saw the less healthy side of this kind of this stuff that we call self care and i think you know some things can work in a really complementary way right is like there have been times mm -hmm. when like my magical practice and meditation and yoga really supported me but the other thing that was really helpful was seeing a therapist every week for like yes. 20 weeks that also really helped mm -hmm. and i think that it's um it's it's good to know what supports we need and sometimes we need more support than magic can give us and that doesn't mm -hmm. take away the power of magic and that doesn't take away the inner strength that we have but it's an admission of strength and courage to try something like oh i'm kind of out of my depth here that's why we used to have elders that's why we used to live in intergenerational ways in communities so that's something like hey it looks like you're having this thing going on had you considered um you know working in this way have you considered maybe like this this course of healing and we didn't have to figure it out all on our own um mm -hmm. i love that yeah, having, i love that attitude and i think um sometimes the universe will present you with professional help and that's the that's the answer the universe is yes. giving you and there's so many little parables of people being like God help me. And God sends like a bunch of stuff. And you're like, no, it's gotta be God. And you're looking for like, <laughs> you're looking I for literally that. an angel to drop down. And it's like, no, I sent you a lifeboat. Yeah. Like, get on the lifeboat. <laughs> I sent you Xanax. Take your Xanax. <laughs> what the hell is going on here? Oh, that's so funny. Yeah, I love that. I really love that. <laughs> I love that attitude for sure of that kind of like inclusive belief around uh, spirituality and crystals and all those kind of things as like, it's okay to kind of admit, all right, th this is this facilitates in this way, but I need to go outside of my practice for a specific for, for, for perhaps larger help that could help this. Oh, absolutely. I mean, like, mm -hmm. I, I do a lot of work with um with the goddess Bridget, and she is a goddess of of smithcraft and of healing and of poetry. So when I was trying to figure out if I was going to leave a job where I was just feeling so sick and like it was not the right place for me, I saw a therapist and I lit a candle to Bridget and I did you know other rituals as part of me and I checked in with my friends and I you know did a journey to connect with my ancestors like hey what do you guys think about this because this is how I'm feeling and those were all really important aspects for me to make a decision that was the best thing for me and I think that's the very definition of holistic is like I'm exploring every avenue and I'm bringing yeah. it all together yes yeah, the whole uh, picture yeah the whole the whole thing holistic there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so We'll do, uh, we have a couple minutes left. We touched on the idea of ancestry work. You mentioned tapping into ancestors. Um, how, for someone who's never done work with their ancestors before, how would you kind of explain how it functions? Oh, I mean, that's tricky because in a way it's just like talking to a friend. Um, so sometimes I'll just like, you know, do some grounding and centering, just drop into a meditation and just kind of connect with the ancestors I know who are well in spirit. 
um, one thing that was really helpful for me, because a lot of folks will talk like, just talk to your ancestors. They love you. They do want to hear from you. And that is true. But just dying doesn't make you well adjusted. If you were kind of a shit in real life, when you're dead, you're not magically healed and you're not magically in a place to give people solid life advice. So, so I worked Fair. with um, a framework put out by Dr. Daniel Four and his book, Ancestral Medicine. And I did two different ancestral lineage healings that are led by people who are really trained in the practice through his framework. And so having a framework for like, oh, okay, um, these are the ancestors that I saw. And this is like sort of how well this particular bloodline is. And this is where I think they might be impacting me in positive ways and negative ways, and then building trust and forgiveness with the guides who represented each of those bloodlines. Now I have people that I trust um, or like ancestors that I trust to intercede or share important messages with me. So there are two lineages I've worked with that are like really in good health. We did some healing. I, um, you know, ask for their advice when I have a big decision to make. I have an altar where I have water and candles and Florida water, and we'll put out um, offerings of, of different folks' uh, favorite food or favorite alcohol on the anniversary of their death. Um, mm -hmm. you know, um, I, one thing, so my grandfather died actually maybe, uh, yeah, my maternal grandfather died maybe a week or so after I had met Melanie. And one thing I did was an elevation ritual for him. It was super easy is, you know, like reciting different Psalms, lighting a white candle, talking to him about, you know, what he, the contribution that he had had in the lives of everyone in our family that he was going to be missed and loved but it was actually okay for him to go and to be with my grandmother and to be with mm -hmm. the people in his lineage who are well and doing that for like seven days that was a really good way for me to start oh, I mm -hmm. love that. it sounds really powerful and I love the idea of letting someone go because I remember when my grandmother passed away um, she was in the hospital and she turned to my mom and she said, if I die, I can't help it. And my mom was like, it's okay. Like, but there is this very human side of you. That's like, what if I'm not here for the people I love? What if I yeah. leave them? And it's, there's a guilt there. So allowing them, right. you, know, you can move on to the next step. We're okay. Uh, is really, sounds really um, like it would be really healing on both sides. Yeah. I think, you know, it was, it was also kind of like the most I could do in that time because he was in, um, my mom's from Nova Scotia, so he was in Nova Scotia. He already had very advanced dementia. So even if I had been there and I couldn't fly out because I had work, even if I had been there, he wouldn't know who I was. He would know that I was familiar, but he was for sure going to die. And I couldn't be with him and I couldn't be with my family, but this was a way that I could be with him. And now for, for you know, all the people in my family, when it is their time, like may they live long and full lives, but when it is time, I will do the same for them to make sure that they are elevated, that they are well in spirit, that they are not um, stuck on this plane with unfinished business. And I think it, for me, it also helped that like, that mm -hmm. was, he died a couple days before Salon. So already the veil was open already. I felt like, okay, this is, things are as supportive for him to transition from this plane to the next one. I couldn't ask for more and it, it was really healing for me and it didn't feel traumatic. It felt sad, but also like, okay, I'm helping you. I'm living up to my responsibility and taking care of our family in a way that um, the folks in my family who don't have these practices wouldn't know how to do. Mm -hmm. That's part That's of that beautiful. give and take you were talking about. Yeah. I'm so glad you were able to do that uh, in by way of kind of being there for him and for you and, I don't know. It's a beautiful. It's a very beautiful way to, for the mourning and grieving process. Mm -hmm. I think um, it's interesting because in our last episode we ended talking about death. It feels like maybe <laughs> that's where we wrap up the show. Now we and talk so all it, about death. <laughs> we, we begin in death and we end in death. Uh, this, was, this was so. I feel like I could talk to you. I have so many more questions for like another four I know. hours. But, uh, yeah, we got to do a follow-up because we got we got lots to talk about. 
I'm going to go to the Wayback Machine and revisit <laughs> some of my old favorite GeoCities haunts. <laughs> yes. Also, um, where can we find your services? Where can we find All right. you? Yeah. <laughs> Promote yourself. So you can find me through Instagram. So as Melanie <laughs> said, um, uh, soulfire.sessions, or you can find me through my website, soulfiresessions.ca. Um, so until, you know, the pandemic is over, I am doing um, rune readings, tarot readings, and intuitive wisdom stuff um, through Skype. Um, but also if there are products that you make that you would yes. like, um, let me know. I love doing custom stuff for folks, including creating like ancestral ritual baths for them. Um, I'm shipping across Canada now. It's kind Ooh. of terrifying, but also exciting. Um, and when all of this is over, you can find me like a real person doing things. I've just been wearing my masks so that we can have Witch Fest North in person. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> Mm. yeah i love that oh i would love it a bunch of masked witches celebrating oh i love it oh my god i am already obsessed with the aesthetic Um, i oh i can imagine how everybody's gonna deck out their masks if that does happen witches would be so good (laughs) at making beautiful masks i'll just say that that's part of the beauty we just got discussed but jess thank you so much so much for having me and definitely yeah Yeah, feel free to um shoot me questions i'm happy to to answer them i love kind of sharing what i know if i can save you one you know badly done spell i'm like if you can learn from my mistakes let's do that This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!